0: Hello, you are listening to Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, a weekly radio program that spotlights positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization throughout Philadelphia. I'm your host, Derek Hengemil. Jumpstart Philly is a unique community development program that trains, mentors, networks, and provides funding to aspiring real estate developers in seven different Philadelphia neighborhoods, including Germantown, where the program was founded. Jumpstart believes that you can do well by doing good and focuses on removing neighborhood blight, scattered site rehab, creating a healthy mix of affordable and market-rate housing, and avoiding gentrification through slow, steady growth and keeping wealth local. Interviews are conducted during Jumpstart Germantown's weekly Jumpin' R series on Monday nights at 7 p.m. held via Zoom webinar. For more information about these events you can check out the events page at jumpstartgermantown.com this week i will be speaking with one of our jumpstart mentors max tannenbaum about how to invest in real estate while working a full-time job i hope you enjoy the conversation and be sure to check out the podcast version of this program at jumpstartgermantown.com media Max Tannenbaum began teaching high school math in Philadelphia in 2008 and started investing in real estate in 2010. He has followed a slow, steady, and consistent approach to building his rental portfolio using different strategies such as house hacking, live-in rehabs, flipping, and the Burr Method. Max enjoys fishing, hiking, tiling, training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and spending some time with family. Max coached high school wrestling from 2009 until 2020 and takes great pride in seeing former student athletes excel in their lives after high school and college. Thanks for having me, Derek. It's an honor to be here. You guys have
1: put on some, uh, some great uh, programs before, so thank you for inviting me.
2: Of course, and it's not mentioned in your bio, but you're also a Jumpstart Germantown mentor and you uh, you dedicate a lot of your free time to to helping others learn how to invest and and doing what you're doing tonight, but on an individual basis. So thanks so much for your participation there as well. Um, So you're just going to want to let us know what we're talking about tonight and give us a a sneak peek at what sorts of topics we'll get into. I think that's a good way to start. Sure. Um,
1: so, as, as you mentioned, um, I've been investing in real estate for a little over 10 years. Um, uh, the whole time I've been working a full time job. I'm a high school math teacher. So, I've been able to make it work, you know, having to balance the schedule. Um, and I just hope that through this conversation, some of the listeners can pick up, uh, you know, a tip here or there that might help them in their journey.
2: Sounds great. Um, and and- I think it's particularly interesting that you're not only do you have a full-time job, but you're a teacher <laughs> and that's a, you know, unusually demanding job and and it's also a unique job and uh, that it gives you summers off and some other like added benefits. Um, so probably it, it seems a little bit uh, or, or I, it makes me think that different jobs have different um, capabilities of investing. Um, and, and I think you might be able to provide some insight on that being a teacher. Um, so, so can you invest or, or can you, invest in real estate development with any job or is there one that's particularly good or what sorts of things should you look out for? I think the short answer is
1: yes, you, you probably can invest in real estate with any full-time job, but the, the demands of your career are going to affect how you invest. Mm-hmm. So uh, some jobs require more time than others. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, as a school teacher, I'm fortunate to have the summers off you know, every year and part of my strategy is that I've been pretty hands-on with my rehabs, so those summers off have allowed me to do that. If I didn't have that, then I would need to figure out a a different way to get my properties renovated, which might mean, you know, saving more money, hiring more help, so I think it can be done, but you just want to modify your strategy to your own individual situation.
2: So are you completing full projects in that summer off or is that just the time where you're able to dedicate like more day to day attention to your your investments?
1: I'm trying to complete full projects when I have those those summers off. Um, usually I won't finish in time. So mm-hmm. things will have to get done you know, into September, uh, mm-hmm. but it's not the end of the world. I am able to put in a lot of time for those 10 weeks that
2: I have. Sure. And then what does your, your, or I guess your involvement in the real estate game look like during the school year? You know, you said kind of most of it's passive, hopefully, but, but what, what is your day to what, you know, Let me ask you that. What does your day-to-day look like, um, you know, during a normal school week where, you know, you're going to, you're going to work when you wake up, get home before you eat dinner, where, where do you, where do you have time to invest in there or, or to, to manage your
0: projects?
1: So I do my own property management, but it's it's not super time consuming the way I have things set up. So in a typical week, I might have a couple of maintenance calls during the week mm-hmm. and um, I'll take those calls, you know, the day that they come in um, and I'll either subcontract out the repairs or schedule to do it myself uh, the following weekend. So usually I have a few calls or emails that I deal with during the week. And then I usually put in most of a full day on Saturdays, um, checking out my properties, taking care of some
2: maintenance. Gotcha. But, but you're not like getting off from school and and coming home, eating dinner and then running out to a project and and finishing up loose ends that, that, that is where it seems like would drive someone crazy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The only times I'm doing that would be like, if I, if a project that was supposed to be finished in the summer runs long. So like this past fall, I was definitely after teaching, I would be going over to that job and finishing up some finished work uh, in the evenings, but not, not every day. Mm -hmm.
2: That was just because the the rehab took longer than I had planned. Mm -hmm. So, so going back to like different types of jobs and and their Mm -hmm. advantages when it comes to taking on a a real estate development project, um, what, what characteristics should you look in for a job? I mean, obviously, or, 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 what characteristics should you look in the job that you have to know if like you'll be able to invest? Um, obviously, summer's off is a pretty obvious one, but um, what, what other benefits could employers provide that, that would lead you to, to be able to invest? It's a good question. I mean, if someone's starting at the beginning right then, like
1: if, if you're kind of dr- trying to design your career around real estate investing, I mean, don't overlook careers in the real estate industry itself. Um, you know, anybody that you might hire as an investor. That person works full time. That could be a career that works well with the real estate investing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking of like property appraisers, um, mm-hmm. people on the mortgage side, um, home inspectors, real estate agents. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those people who work in the industry they have a bit of an advantage just because they're already in the network. So if you already work in that industry, or if you you know are thinking about changing your careers with an eye towards investing, then you know a complementary career could could really help. Now, for those who already have full-time jobs, you have to kind of reverse engineer it and make your investing journey work around your full-time schedule if that's something that you want to continue doing Mm long-term.
2: Yeah, sure. And I hear what you're saying about is if somebody's already a real estate agent or a trades worker or something, they kind of have not only the leg up in that they can probably like work while working if that makes sense <laughs> like like you know they have their eyes on the market and are kind of involved in the the work that they're doing um on top of their full-time job um it's got to be a benefit um and, and yeah yeah i think that that answered my question pretty well about about the job characteristics um so, so my next question for you would be uh like investing isn't just uh like a monolith (laughs) there's a lot of different ways you can invest and a lot of different characteristics of investments um and some are more realistic when you have summers off and some are more realistic when you you know maybe aren't working full-time or have a part-time job or something or and and i'm guessing it's the same with the other way around Um, so like what types of investment properties are most realistic for somebody with a full-time job um, as opposed to somebody who has all the time in the world
1: yeah that's a great question as well Um, I can only really speak from my own personal experience, but, uh, because I'm working full-time, I try to get into projects that are going to be easy for me to manage. Um, so it may, may mean a big upfront renovation in the summer, which is okay for me as a teacher. Um, but after that's done, I want, I want properties that are going to be really easy to maintain that aren't going to have a lot of maintenance properties, uh, maintenance problems. And I want to be able to, have a tenant in there that's also going to be easy for me to manage. So I'm sure other people are making it work many different ways because there's so many different ways to make money in real estate. But um, I've tried to aim for like a class A or a class B property and tenant because once it's up and running, I want it to kind of stay easy to manage. Um, So sometimes I'll go long stretches of time where I might not hear from a tenant and that's, that can be a good thing. Uh, just no maintenance issues, no rent issues, and
2: so. Um, so Could you elaborate on the Class A and Class B tenant? What is that difference? Yeah, so um, probably a lot of my tenants might have higher
1: incomes than me, so they they make good money, so it's going to be less likely that there will be issues with having rent paid. Um, they're going to care about their credit, so they want to want to keep their payment history, you know, impeccable. Um, so just. Just with that, it, it, they're going to be a lot easier for me to work with.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. So, what what does Class A and Class B mean? Right? Um, just like the hot the
1: hot the earlier the letter is, a like Class A would be your most expensive properties, um, in the, in the most desirable areas. Okay. And for in terms of cash flow, uh, the Class A properties aren't going to cash flow as well as a lower class of property is, but you're more likely to benefit from appreciation instead of cash flow, and
2: in my experience, I think it's easier to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like you, you mainly only deal in buy-and-hold projects, right? You're not you're not buying a home, reconstructing it, and selling it, right? Because that, that seems like that's that kind of goes against that idea of having the passive income and having this long long-term um, strategy, right?
1: Yeah. I've sold the property or two, but uh, it's not my main
2: business model. I like to keep them. Gotcha. Um, so another thing, so the next thing I want to talk to you about is asset classes. And this might be kind of what we just talked about, um, but maybe you can go a little bit more in depth about it and just, um, you know, other than income of your tenant, um, like what, what things should you look at for in terms of them making your life easier? <laughs> as other, than, yeah, other than the tenant's income, same thing, like the, the class of the property itself. So
1: um, if I'm buying a distressed property, I'm going to try to do a pretty extensive renovation on it up front so that I don't have a lot of ongoing maintenance issues over time, as opposed to you know just getting it rent ready um, and leaving a lot of the existing systems in place. Those things are just going to break down more frequently more um and sooner. So mm-hmm. I'm okay with spending a little bit more money and time in that summer when I'm off from work mm-hmm. making things brand new. So that it's because I know, you know, I'm thinking towards the school year a few months later where I don't want to have to do maintenance calls during the week or, you know, spend more money after I've already done a renovation.
2: So, so how do you single those tenants out? How do you know when, like, like through the, I guess, the the rental application process, like how are you able to determine that this is someone that's going to be, you know, out of sight, out of mind in a few months? <laughs> if that's oh, So,
1: yeah, so that's like property management type question. Yeah. Um, I've just screened the tenants before they become my tenants pretty well. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I just the same way, like a professional property management company would, they're going to require credit checks, background checks, uh, previous landlord references. They're going to need a certain amount of money upfront from the tenant. So just by stick sticking to that criteria, um, we hope that we, you know, have an easier
2: tenant to manage and someone who's easier to work with. Cool. Cool. Um, and, and you know i don't want to like have you like recommend where to invest cuz that's not why you're here but what what areas in the city you know are you able to find tenants like that like i know you you invest in germantown um, and it sounds like you've had good experience being able to secure like those relatively easy to manage tenants there is there particular like places you look or or characteristics of blocks maybe um sure i mean all the things that anybody would like to
1: see on their block right they, they don't want to see a lot of blighted properties. They want to see other people fixing up their, their properties. Um, Some neighborhoods are just more desirable than others. Like we hear about that all the time in the media. Um, And part of my approach to investing has been to make things easy for me. So I've always just invested where I live. So when I first started out, I was living in Fishtown and was buying there. And then we moved not far away to Port Richmond and I was investing there. And then I've been in Germantown for about four years now. So my last few have been in here in Germantown. I figure if I'm comfortable living here, I can find a tenant that's somewhat like me. And yeah. I think I'm pretty easy to work with. So maybe they'll be easy to work with too.
2: Yeah, there you go. So, and I like the ideology of, of, if if you're renting to somebody who's like-minded with you, it's less, less likely to have different expectations. Right. You know, you're like, you're kind of are on the same page as far as what good property management means. That makes it easier than, um, you know, coming from totally different areas. Right.
1: Yeah. And I also want to add that uh, renovating the property matters a lot, even if your neighborhood is not like a super desirable, like a gentrified area, like a fish town is now, um, you know, if your building has good curb appeal and they open the door, and it's nice in there. Like you've, you've touched everything on the rehab. That's going to go a long way. All right. If your building's not nice, you know, and it's just been patched together, you're going to attract a tenant who's okay with that. So I try to make everything look
2: nice. Right. There you go. Um, and and that's your advice, I guess. Is so if you're, if you're working a full-time job and you know, you really are, are they're slim pickings of your free time. You you really want to invest in, in properties that you know you're going to be able to sell to people who are problem-free, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, doing my own property management, I want to be able to get along with my
1: tenants. I want them to enjoy living in my property. I want them to be happy because if they're happy, they're going to stay a long time. That makes me happy because when tenants move out frequently, that, that adds to my workload a lot and I'm trying to minimize that. Um, and it costs money. Every turnover costs money. So, if I can keep tenants happy, uh, for like, a you know, a nice chunk of years, that's, that's a win for me. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and would you recommend that people or, or people who are, have full-time jobs invest in like student properties or, or, or affordable housing properties, or is, is that, you know, outside of, you know, what, what could be considered successful? Um, no, I don't think it's outside of it. I think everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. Um, all sorts of things that those, those properties going to require, like just more time spent dealing with with tenant issues.
1: Yeah, there, I mean, I, I have a I have a rental that I manage that's near uh, Temple University, and there's there's more maintenance there. There's more people living in that building, so there's more wear and tear on the plumbing. Um, they're younger, so you know things aren't always taken care of the same way that someone with more experience would. But it's okay. Um, anybody who's working full time can invest in any property. If you're managing it yourself, that's a big variable on what you want to get into. But I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are, that are real estate investors that, you know, they might be hiring property management. So they might never even see their tenant or their, they might never even see their building. And they can do that. It's just going to cost them more money.
0: If you're just tuning in, this is a conversation with one of our Jumpstart mentors, Max Tannenbaum, about how to invest in real estate while working full time. Thanks for listening to the Jumpstart Philly real estate radio show on Germantown community radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. I hope you're enjoying the discussion. So, so moving on, the next topic I want to talk to you about
2: is kind of the relationships you can build as an investor that will help you, you know, navigate doing it full-time or, or doing it while having a full-time job. Um, you know, one of the obvious solutions to me is how, how would you juggle time between a 40 hour job and, and, fulfilling a a development project would be splitting the work with somebody. Um, You know, whether that be going in on a deal with somebody or, or just making up some arrangement where it's like, when I am am at my job, you have to handle this. You know, when I get home, I'll handle it. You can do what you want. Um, What's your take on that? And and I can't imagine you're doing everything by yourself. Um, You know, most investors don't. Um, but, but how have you kind of built up your relationships and that you have that support beam or those support beams of, of people around you to help you instead of just being on your own?
1: Yeah, well, partnerships, you're talking about partnering up. Uh, it's a great approach because I'm generally the guy that is doing the hands-on work. Um, but I have, I have done some partnerships before. So for me, when I did those partnerships, it was a great way for me to get funding, to get capital you know, for down payments that I didn't have at the time. Um, And part of the deal was that I would do more of the legwork, like the property management. Um, I think partnering is a great idea. Um, You just have to be careful with who you partner up with, have everything in writing, you know, every like worst case scenario, try and have that thought out ahead of time. Um, So it's, it's a little bit of a leap of faith to do that. Cause it wasn't how I got started, but it can certainly help. You know, I think the idea is like having half of one deal is better than no deal at all.
2: Yeah. Cool. I like that. That's, that's a good way to put it. Um, so what about different types of relationships, like relationship with subcontractors or, uh, you know, other colleagues or, you know, even, even people like your accountant, like how, how, how can their relationships influence the way you're able to, you know, invest while working full-time? Well, I mean... I really depend
1: a lot on the the tradespeople that I hire for maintenance work, especially during the school year when I'm not willing to or I don't want to go out to properties during the week. Um, Over time, usually through referrals, um, I've gotten to know different people in the trades, plumbers, electricians, handymen, roofers. And the way that I, I handle maintenance requests is I'll usually talk to the tenant email or over the phone, try and diagnose the problem. But once I know what's going on and what needs to be done, um, I'll just put the tenant and the subcontractor in touch with each other so they can handle the scheduling. I don't have to go there until the job is done. Um, and they can work out the scheduling. I don't have to let anybody in. And um, I haven't had any problems with that. I mean, everyone's been pretty, pretty cool to work with, tenant side and subcontractor side. But yes, those tradespeople. Um, I wouldn't be able to do this. I, I would have a much smaller number of rentals. I would be a lot more stressed because of time management if I was having to do every maintenance call. So I totally rely on them for sure.
2: Cool. And before I move on to my next question, I just want to remind everybody that we will have a live Q&A session at the end of our uh, discussion here. If anybody's joined us since we started you can just type your questions into the Q and a box and we will, we'll get to them when we wrap up and probably around 10 or 15 minutes here. Um, Derek,
1: I want to add something to the, to your question there about, um, just other relationships. Sure. Like I've got a have had a lot of help from my my parents over the years because they have experience with real estate investing. Um, and there've been a handful of other people that I've reached out to, um, with questions over time. So they're mentors for me. Um, So I think all of that's really important. You know, just having good relationships with everybody you work with, whether it's in your career or in your real estate investing journey or in your personal life, just because it's, you know, a much happier way to live when you're getting along with everybody. And it's mutually beneficial because you're going to help other people and they're going
2: to help you too. Great. Cool. I think that's a great perspective, Max. Um, And and the next question I want to talk to you about is is automation, because I know there's a lot of ways in which you can set up um, you know, your, your investment vehicle or, or your property management strategy that really takes care of things behind the scenes before it gets to you. Like you, you mentioned that there are a couple strategies that you used where you don't have to go in until the project th- or until it's completed or, um, you know, you don't have to, like you have a system set up. So well, even if you're at school the entire day, you can still be getting requests and sets and you'll have a system for how to manage whatever gets backlogged. Um, how can, you know, automation, well, first maybe start off with what automation means to you and, and like what, what that means as a, as a definition um, and, and how can it make your life easier as, a, as an investor working full-time?
1: Yeah, it's just the idea of, of having like a system and a procedure for any task that you might encounter as a property manager or as a real estate investor. So there's a few things that um, like as a school teacher during the day, I can't be on the phone really at all. Um, but I can communicate through email pretty well. So like in between classes, I'll have a short break. I can respond to an email. So I've just kind of done some systems where I'm not on the phone, um, where I'm on the phone as little as possible. Mm-hmm. So like a big one for me is online rent collection. There's a bunch of apps out there that let tenants pay their rent online. Um, that saves me a trip to the bank, you know, every month. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's also just like really easy to track and manage because it's all on a screen and it updates you and it Mm -hmm. sends notifications. Um, another big time saver is the way I do tenant screening. When I have a vacant apartment, um, I'll have my rental ads posted online. And when people reach out to me through email, I'll have them respond to like a pre-screening questionnaire. That's a Google form. So it'll just give me a quick basic idea if they are close to qualifying or if they're definitely, you know, not a good fit for the property based on maybe based on their income or some of the other criteria that I have. And so that that cuts out so much phone time just by doing it that way. The people who, who do seem qualified, I'll set up a showing with them, but I'll do either a group showing on a Saturday or I'll do all my showings like staggered, you know, one right after the other just to minimize the travel that I'm doing. And to, just to cut out showings again of, of anyone who's definitely not going to be a good fit. Um, I mean, honestly, those two things alone, just like make property management so much easier. You know, the way I do the screening and the the rent collection.
2: So are, are those things that you kind of have developed over time or are those things that you started initially? Like, like did, when, when you, during your first project, you know, whenever that was, were you already doing automatic rent payments and already doing, um, you know, all the, those automation steps that you were talking about? No, not at all. I was definitely uh, getting checks and taking them to the bank
1: mm-hmm. for a while. Um, when I first started renting up like the other unit of the duplex that I lived in, I didn't do any tenant screening. You know, some, someone called me up, they wanted to see, it. I said, great. Like what time are you coming? Um, I didn't get burned, but I could have, I could have for sure, and yes, over time I've uh, fine tuned the systems, mm-hmm. mostly because of necessity. Right? I realized that as I grew this business, I knew what my full time job required of me. That wasn't going to change, so I had to make my business fit with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just tried to get more efficient.
2: Yeah, and, and I'm sure it's much easier to to handle everything on an individual basis when you only have one property, but that's not going to make you money in the long term. So, so you're eventually going to have to expand and eventually going to have to develop these, these automation uh, techniques. So, so let me just, do you have recommendations for, for software or programs that you use for, for that? Like, um, yeah. sure, I can, talk,
1: I can say what I do. I mean, I do the Google, the Google form that I made for the tenant screening. That's a big one. Um, I use a program called cozy for rent collection. I think they've been merged with apartments.com. So I'm not sure if you try to sign up with them now, what it will look like. But I think my account has stayed the same. Um, I think Cozy's, I like Cozy because it's free for me. Um, But I think it's somewhat limited if you have like a lot of units under management. I'm not there yet. So uh, I imagine Cozy would probably be fine for anyone with like 20 units or less. So Mm -hmm. I would recommend it. I have no issues with Cozy. There's a bit of a delay between when the tenant submits their payment and when it hits my account but it's no different than how long it would take you to get that check to the bank and then for that check to clear. So I'm fine with it.
2: Cool. Um, and, and the last uh, little thing I want to talk because most of what I feel like we've discussed has been the management of the properties, you know, after the, the rehab has been complete and you're you're holding it. Um, how about during that, you know, that crunch time leading up to whenever construction begins or even throughout the construction process? Um, what, what tips do you have people f- for, or what tips do you have for people who are like, you know, maybe they're not even in that stage where they have a property yet, and they're just kind of sourcing or maybe starting to get contractor estimates and stuff. Um, you know, have you learned any tips of how to how to reduce the time spent on that? I mean, you you can't you can't like automate <laughs> finding the right property. Um, I'm sure there's some ways you can like expand your options and really diversify what you're looking at. But like th- that seems like something that you really just have to put in the hours on on, on sitting down and looking at budgets and looking at Um, you know, listings and whatnot. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I would say that
1: if, if you're practicing, you know, try and evaluate deals from your computer as much as you can. Um, Because the more of that, that you can do on the front end, then the easier it's going to be when you're actually in the middle of a project, you're not having to figure out details. Mm -hmm. You're just having to execute things that you've already planned. Um, It's much more efficient that way. Um, I think one thing that I've learned pretty well over time is how to estimate um, like renovation costs. And I think that's probably the hardest thing for someone new to, to get good at. And I'm, I don't know how I could say like how you can get good at at that ahead of time because I I learned over time by, by making mistakes, you know, by being on a number of job sites and underestimating things or not realizing things. Um, So that's a tough one to like, to learn up front.
2: Yeah, and, and knowing how to estimate, you know, line item costs like that, I guess it, it mostly shortens down your project length because you're not having to backtrack or, or double, you know, do things over or, or figure out whether you've done them enough. Um, but it also probably makes your life easier when you see a deal because <laughs> because you don't have to sit down and research every you know material you'll need and everything. You kind of just have that that backlog, right?
1: Yeah, it's like I've done th- I've done that kind of job before, right? I knew how much it cost me then this is the same trade and it's twice as much space. Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: let me double that number that I spent last time. Yeah. There's probably a better way. You know, I didn't go through the jumpstart program, so there's probably a much better way, but yes, if you can dial down these like rehab line items to a price per square foot or some sort of metric like that, and then, you know, bump it up a little bit to be conservative, you know, you can, you can go off of that for me. I've done a few rehabs now where I can kind of just estimate like, the total square footage of the place. I know how I can, I can rehab a place for a certain amount per square foot. And I'll kind of use that as my initial uh, way to evaluate the deal.
2: Cool. So, so uh, the last thing I really want to talk to you about before we move into the Q and a is um, where can, I want to talk, get your take on where people can educate themselves about real estate because I know obviously what we're doing right now is a form of that, but um, you know, people who are working full-time and want to start investing, they probably don't have a formal education in real estate development or investing or anything like that. Um, so they have to log on to, to webinars at 7 PM on a Monday night and, and see what others have to say. Um, where would you point people to, to find more information about that their you know, the way they can invest and in, in creative ways to do things. Um, you know How did, how did you learn other than, and other than just the practice of doing it and, and getting a couple projects under your belt? Like how, how do you even educate yourself without, or while having a nine to five for five days a week, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's, it comes down to networking. Mm-hmm. Um, both
1: of my parents have been renovating small apartment buildings. So I grew up around it. Mm-hmm. I grew up, uh, you know, doing a little painting and cleaning, and I, I saw what it did for for my parents. So I, it was always a plan of mine to do the same thing. But um, but anybody can network, right? If like you said, people who are listening in now, you're they're seeking out education. Um, biggerpockets.com is a great website for it's free, and there's a ton of um, good and bad advice on there that you can read through and, and decide for yourself. Um, just ask, you know, tell people what you want to do. And, and put yourself out there as, you know, asking for help and try to offer something to them, um, a way you can help them. And then people are going to want to help you in return. And I think a lot of folks might be surprised that people in their own personal networks might be real estate investors that they don't even know about, or they might be people that want to invest as well, but maybe they're too busy and they need somebody who's more boots on the ground. Uh, So it could be a great source of, uh, of funding. Mm-hmm. but just network read and ask for help
2: cool great well i think that's great advice max and uh, i think it's a good time where we, maybe we can switch to the live q a um but before i do that i just want to extend a thank you to you for for coming on here and and talking to us tonight and and going through or, or, or talking about a topic that is seems obvious but it's definitely a lot of people or something that a lot of people need insight on um and it's it's definitely a daunting thing to take a step into the real estate world and it's encouraging to hear that um, you know you're giving people tips and and making people prepared for it so so thank you max i appreciate you coming on tonight yeah no problem it's my pleasure all right so i see we have uh, a handful of questions here just a reminder you can use the q a tab which is at the bottom of your screen with two little chat bubbles just click that and type in your question and we will get to it um So Max, I'm just going to go question by question here and and give me what you got. And it's okay to say, I don't know, or or next question if you want. (laughs) Sure. It first comes from Sang and they're wondering what system or process do you put in place to free up more of your time in regards to investing like VA, bookkeepers, et cetera. So you might've covered some of that, but maybe if you just want to reiterate some of those key time savers.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I haven't really outsourced much at all. Um, I I do have someone that does my taxes. Um, I have some great... I would call them partners that I work with. Right. Like um, my main lenders on, I think on this call right now, Upen. so like having a good lender that you can go to who knows your situation in and out, you know, develop a relationship that makes each project easier than the last one. Um, I don't do like any marketing stuff. Um, Most of my deals have come from the MLS. So I don't, I never hired a VA. Um, Never hired a bookkeeper either, but I do have a little tip on that. And some people will disagree with this as a good method, but it's worked for me. Um, anytime I get a new property, I set up a new bank account. Mm-hmm. So I have a separate account for each property. And then I just have to be careful that when I'm uh, purchasing things for the property, to just to use the debit card that goes with that property. Um, real estate's a pretty simple business. So a monthly statement for like a single family uh, rental is only gonna have a few transactions per month. So what I can do is at the end of the calendar year, I can categorize every transaction, you know, maybe 15 or 20 minutes per property. Um, It's a good kind of like task to do on uh, New Year's Eve before you relax and hang out, you know, during the day on the 31st as I categorize transactions. But because they're already split between each property, um, with the way online banking is, you can see images of checks. I I save the receipts too. It makes it really easy. So I haven't hired a bookkeeper, but um, having a separate account for each property I think has made my life
2: pretty easy in terms of bookkeeping. Great, uh, thanks for that question, Sang. The next comes from Keith, and he's wondering: Do you source and buy rehab throughout the year, or is that is that your business model, or is it only seasonal? Um, is that how it works with your summers off?
1: Yeah, it's um, that's a great question. I'm all I, I say I'm always looking. I'm always looking for properties, but. I definitely, like, in springtime, I want to be closing on something in spring because that's what's going to give me the time I need to do the rehab over the summer. So I wouldn't say it's strictly seasonal, but there's definitely, like, an on-season for me.
2: Mm-hmm. Can you think of it, or do you have any colleagues, you know, who kind of have a similar game plan like that or or people who are in in, like – You know, I guess guess teaching is really the only one with summers off, but I'm I'm trying to think of like other jobs that are, that are temporary. I guess like some independent contracting jobs could be, you know, have peak seasons and off seasons.
1: Yeah. I think uh, the more independent contracting type jobs, like people in the trades or home inspectors or appraisers, people Mm -hmm. who can kind of make their own schedule Mm -hmm. uh, you can kind of make it whatever season you want, be your on season. And I think um, people might do that more year round and just kind of maybe stack their career days, you know, three, four days a week, and then leave, you know, their days off for their real estate work.
2: I'm not really sure. Oh, cool. Yeah. It goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's every, every job is different. Um, okay. Next comes from Brandon. He's wondering, how do you, how are you finding, this is kind of a general question. How are you finding subs and tradesmen? Uh, like, are you looking online or getting referrals? Mostly through referrals, Mostly mostly through
1: re- referrals. And then when when I find somebody that's you know that I like working with, uh, you got to treat them like gold. You know, pay them more, pay them fast, so that they want to do more jobs for you. Um, I've also used Facebook, especially the Jumpstart Germantown or any of the Jumpstart Facebook pages. Um, me and other people often put out requests or offer up you know referrals for people that they've worked with before. Um, whatever your source is you know, just take it with a grain of salt. There's always some risk. You know, I've, I've had some great referrals that I've, that haven't worked out. Um, and it's a, it's a never ending thing too. So you're never just going to like have a set team of a few subs that's, they're going to be great forever. Sometimes they have issues, you know, a great sub will will have some issues and they're not going to be able to do work for you for a little while. And you have jobs come up, you need to move on and find someone else. Um, so that's a constant part of my job is just, finding new people to work with.
2: Cool. And and going back to what you said earlier about, or or you had said that pay them gold (laughs) because if you, you, the more that you, the more you dedicate money and time and energy into your relationship with them, the more they're going to do the same for you and and reduce your, or or increase your amount of free time later on the road. Right. Yeah. And I used to be very price conscious. I still am when hiring people, but it's
1: not the most, it's not the only thing that matters. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am totally okay with, you know, hiring someone who's more expensive than alternatives. If Mm -hmm. that gets me, you know, the level of service that I'm looking for. Right. So when I, when I'm, when I ask for a job to be done, I don't want to have to call them to find out how it went. Like I want them to let me know, or if rescheduling needs to happen. uh, Like I don't want to do the babysitting thing, like always checking in. I want to work with a professional who is going to communicate well with me, who kind of understands my schedule and how I'm going to communicate and I'm willing to pay more for it because it makes my life easier. It keeps my tenants happy, which is very important. Um, and that's just how, how I've been operating.
0: And that was my conversation with one of our Jumpstart mentors, Max Tannenbaum, about how to invest in real estate while working a full-time job. Next week, I will be speaking with Karen Nicole, who is owner the owner of Impact Investment and Design Firm, about how to select the right contractor for your real estate development project. The interviews on this program are recorded during Jumpstart Germantown's weekly Jumpinar series, which takes place via Zoom webinar every Monday night at 7 p.m. If you'd like to participate in the live Q&A with our guest, be sure to head to jumpstartgermantown.com slash events and register for next week's Jumpinar. And if you're interested in starting a Jumpstart program in your own community, you can visit gojumpstart.org to see our how-to guide and open-source training workbook. Thanks so much for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio WRGU 92.9 FM. And be sure to tune in next week.